The NBA All-Star Weekend had highlights and lowlights that both present interesting questions for the league going forward. The Chicago White Sox want a billion dollars in public money, and Lionel Messi's next game will likely be played with replacement referees. Plus, we're talking to the people trying to bring the NWSL to Cleveland. It's Tuesday, February 20th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. The highlight of the NBA All-Star Weekend for many was the Steph Curry versus Sabrina Ionescu three-point contest. Joining me now to discuss is Foreign Office Sports breaking news reporter Margaret Fleming. Welcome, Margaret. Thanks, Owen. Uh, Great to have you on. So, um, yeah, you you sort of looked into this contest, how it came about, what it could mean. What was the big takeaway for you from the Steph versus Sabrina phenomenon? Just that these two players can shoot. Like, oh, my goodness, they both either tied or exceeded every like the actual three-point contest the like regular NBA three-point contest Sabrina got the same score that Damian Lillard got and Steph won that contest so then he got even higher than that like yeah they're just on another level from all the greats it's really cool to see yeah and it's it's one area where yeah a a top women's player can absolutely hang with with the best I mean Steph is I think the best three point shooter in the history of the NBA and, you know, uh, in a contest like this, I mean, Steph won, but it was close enough. And, you know, you play that again, Sabrina could have easily won. Um, And it raised a lot of interesting conversations. I think mostly people were very positive about this. Uh, Kenny Smith, we should, you know, because he was on the broadcast, we don't need to go into every bad take that's out there. But um, the one that was on the broadcast at the time was, um, you know, uh, maybe making things a little more, more challenging than they needed to be. Yeah, that was just a little uncomfortable. And I've seen a lot of discourse online that that was kind of a missed moment to have um, a female announcer on the call, like Candace Parker was on the call. Um, and there was another female broadcaster on the alt cast. And so it was kind of like many saw it as sort of a missed moment to have somebody with a little bit more familiarity with the WNBA to speak to that and how important that was. And um for just like the history of women's sports, like that is potentially a, that competition could potentially be a really big deal for a number of reasons. Um, and so, yeah, it felt a little uncomfortable rewatching that. Those aside, I feel like a lot of people on the more positive side are seeing this as a, a moment that it was one that we might look back on as we see the progression of women's sports generally, but especially the growth of the WNBA. It shows how far women's sports have come to be able to highlight Sabrina in this way in the middle of NBA All-Star Weekend. Um, But it also shows there's also a big opportunity here uh, to make something really incredible out of this Um, and and what comes from it. I mean, we're already seeing Sabrina's very already dedicated and loyal fan base is growing. She gained 20,000 followers the day after the announcement, you know, 60,000 leading up to the uh, competition on Instagram. And she just hit like 1 million um, when she was in the 800,000 range before all this. So you're already seeing like directly that that people are tuning in and, and excited and becoming fans of hers. Um, there, I saw early viewership numbers um, that the competition was the peak of Saturday night um, for the NBA. So this is definitely great for the NBA too. It, it you know, created a lot of excitement, something different, providing a spark after they had 
record low viewership last weekend or last year, excuse me, um, for the actual All-Star game itself. So definitely added something new. Um, saw several things online about like people saying I've never tuned in before, but I'm going to tune in for the Sabrina competition. So um, it was great for the NBA. Also great for the WNBA because they have not after this season, but after the next one. So after the 2025 season, their current media rights agreements uh, are up. And as we just saw with the NWSL record, you know, media rights deal is leading to record players' salaries. You know, the women are finally catching up a little bit more to what men make um, as professional athletes and becoming a little bit more feasible uh, to play professional uh, to to be a professional athlete in this country. Um, and so it's really exciting for the WNBA to have a moment like this where, even though they have grown so much and they're having their best viewership in decades, there is still millions and millions of more basketball fans uh from social and from you know watching it live than you know tune in to to any regular WNBA game especially regular season um and so those kind of metrics are really important for the WNBA um to be able to go to these media partners and say look this happened you put us on national tv and we had this growth you know whether it's Sabrina's followers whether it's showing how that was like the highlight of the weekend, what have you. Um, moments like that lead to fans, lead to viewership, lead to that media rights deal that could, you know, really impact the league and its players. So it's a really big moment. And given all the hype around women's basketball right now, especially on the college level, I think that, and then those players eventually making their way to the W, um, either this year or next year, I think uh, that's just going to continue growing. So this is is one big step, I think, in a series of, of pretty big steps to get them to a bigger uh, deal. Yeah, absolutely. And there's already some chatter about a potential Dame Lillard versus Caitlin Clark uh, three-point contest next year. And like, I don't particularly care about next year's All-Star game, but I, I would be super interested to watch Dame versus Caitlin Clark. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some things about people want them to team up and like, uh, I don't know like what the teams exactly would be, but some kind of four-person competition. I think that would be just so awesome and all the hype that's going on around Caitlin right now. Um, and Dame, like uh, all these players are, are having, you know, really big seasons um, or, or really big moments. And so, yeah, I'm I'm really hopeful that that will come together. I've seen that numerous times online and I think that that would be really awesome. Absolutely. Margaret Fleming, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Moving to the NBA's main event this weekend, the East beat the West 211-186 to at the NBA All-Star Game. It was a typical All-Star Game for almost any major league at this point in that no one played defense and a bunch of people complained about it. SportsCenter host Scott Van Pelt put it succinctly saying, it's really simple. If you don't care, neither do we. Well put, SVP. With that in mind, we have some thoughts about how to improve the NBA ASG product. We'll get there in a second. But first, consider that these players are incredibly competitive human beings, and if they had a good reason to take the game seriously, then they would. But they don't. It's already a long season, this game doesn't count, and obviously no one wants to risk getting hurt. So maybe it's time to work with what we have, instead of complaining about what we've lost. Get the players' egos involved while letting them do it on their own terms. Mic up the players. Let them clear out the floor for a possession or two to take each other on one-on-one. Let them sprinkle in trick shots and try to one-up each other. Put every seven-foot player on the court at once. I'm just spitballing here, but let's stop trying to guilt players into treating this like a real game when it isn't one. Having all that basketball talent in one place should be more fun, and we can have that if we embrace the goofiness that the players are already bringing and get a little creative. 
The Chicago White Sox have been laying the groundwork for a new downtown stadium in the city's South Loop neighborhood. It would be near several train lines next to the river and the centerpiece of a larger development that includes housing, retail, offices, and park space. The firm, Related Midwest, has already put out renderings dreaming up a futuristic stadium with a wall of windows facing the river. And now the White Sox have put a price on all this. Sox owner Jerry Reinsdorf and Related Midwest are asking Illinois for $1 billion in public funds. That would come from the extension of a 2% hotel occupancy tax, which was put in place in 2003 to pay off bonds issued to pay for renovations to Soldier Field, where the Bears play. More on that in a moment. The team would also claim an estimated $400 million in sales taxes generated in the area over some amount of time, and related Midwest would spend $551 million on the surrounding infrastructure and would be repaid by the city of Chicago. As of recently, the city was still on the hook for $640 million on those aforementioned bonds for Soldier Field and will likely still be paying them when the team moves to Arlington Park. Chicago hasn't fully given up on keeping the Bears around, but doing so would require another major outlay of public money. Reinsdorf bought the White Sox in 1981 for $19 million and convinced the state to pay for guaranteed right field, where the team currently plays, to keep him from moving the Sox to Tampa. Now the city and the state have to decide if it's worth making this kind of deal again and what they'll say if he threatens to move the team. Lionel Messi and Inter-Miami will kick off the much-anticipated MLS season against Real Salt Lake on Wednesday. And unless there are dramatic changes before then, that game and plenty more will be played with replacement referees. The professional referees organization which employs MLS's officials locked out the refs after the Professional Soccer Referees Association voted overwhelmingly to reject an agreement negotiated by its leadership and the PRO. The refs handed out red cards on the agreement, citing a lack of compensation growth commensurate with the growth of the league and the need for quality of life improvements. The PRO said that their offer added up to a 25% increase in pay compared to 2023 when you combine salaries, game fees, and benefits, plus they threw in business class travel for the playoffs. The dispute will be an unwanted distraction heading into the MLS season and could start to affect the rest of U.S. soccer. The Referees Association also represents officials in the NWSL and USL. Until this is resolved, every bad call will have an added layer of dysfunction behind it. Up next, I spoke with Michael Murphy and Nolan Gallagher, co-founders of the Cleveland Soccer Group, which is bringing an MLS Next Pro team to Cleveland and is trying to follow that up with an NWSL team. We talked about the vision behind that, the challenges in making that happen, and what they'll be looking for from the public. That conversation is coming up next. I am joined now by the co-founders of the Cleveland Soccer Group, CEO Michael Murphy and President Nolan Gallagher. Welcome, Michael. Welcome, Nolan. Great to be here. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Owen. Great to be here. So you guys are establishing an MLS Next Pro team next year. Uh, You also are uh, hoping to bring an NWSL team to Cleveland. Why soccer and why Cleveland? Yeah, Owen, you know, Michael and I are lifetime Clevelanders, born and raised. Um, You know, we actually started a film distribution company together uh, in Los Angeles in, in 2006, and, and that was called Gravitas Ventures. And we were early days then in, in video on demand. Um, this was back when, you know, people still went to Blockbuster to rent movies or to Best Buy to buy DVDs. Uh, but we thought that um, change was a coming. And so we, we started a film distribution company and um, we would go to film festivals, whether it was Sundance or the Toronto Film Festival. Uh, buy already finished movies, and then we would act just like a Hollywood studio does. So just like Warner Brothers releases Barbie in movie theaters or online or on places like 
you know, HBO Max. We did the same thing. Um, but this was before, you know, companies like Apple or Hulu or Amazon or Netflix were really streaming. And so, you know, we, we, we saw an opportunity um, and, and we became a very prolific distributor. Um, over 17 years, uh, we ended up acquiring and releasing over 3,500 films into over 100 million homes in North America or over a billion homes globally. And uh, by volume, we were the largest distributor, we believe, uh, in North America. It allowed us to do a few things. Um, one, we were able to sell our company twice, um, most recently in November of 2021. Um, but but also it allowed us to move um, the company back to Cleveland, Ohio, which we had always wanted to be part of the business community and to drive economic activity in the Northeast Ohio region. And, and so that worked out well. Uh, but November 2021 ended up being a very important month for us for a variety of reasons, not just selling the company, but it was the first time someone came to us and said, hey, did you know that Cleveland is the only top 20 market without professional men's or women's soccer? Um, and we did not know that. That's right. We, we didn't know it, but we did know that uh, we were both interested in collaborating again still and doing something really transformative for Cleveland. And the more we looked at soccer and this global game and how Cleveland was kind of and, and yeah, missing a, a seat at the, at the global table of soccer, we said this could be a really interesting kind of third quarter of life project for us. And uh, that began with a lot of diligence on, on various leagues and, and ways to get involved in professional soccer and, and recognition of you know, two teams in the MLS already in the state of Ohio and what other options are there for, for men's there. And uh, ultimately, as you mentioned, you know, we did a lot of diligence in November of 22, announced that uh, we we're going to bring MLS Next Pro to Cleveland. It's soon going to start in its third year. And we're one of a number of uh, independent teams now in that league. And, 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 uh, and, and they're growing that, that footprint as well. Um, but we always knew that, that there was a bigger opportunity potentially on the women's side for Cleveland to join the NWSL. And uh, the more we looked at that league and, and, and the growth there, the spectacular growth, uh, candidly, in, in, in terms of kind of in all uh, areas of measurement, we said this is also very interesting. Uh, but we also knew that, you know, in order to draw that league to Cleveland, we we're going to have to have the right facility. And currently Cleveland does not have a right-sized, you know, multi-purpose but soccer-first stadium. And so uh, we, we've been working very hard and diligently and, and trying to come up with a stadium plan so that, uh, you know, as the league goes through its process for a 16th team, uh, Cleveland's front and center. We, we, we were in the mix um, last time, got down to the final four out of 82 groups. Uh, this time we're going to go back with a stadium plan and a path where the NWSL could come to, you know, a top 20 market like Cleveland and, and really be the top soccer brand in a major market. We think that's interesting to the league. We think it's interesting for for Cleveland, we know Cleveland supports our professional sports teams, the Cavs, the Guards, Guardians, the Browns. And this would be, you know, the fourth major league team in town. And uh, we're really excited about the prospect of, of working on this. Yeah, a few things I want to dive in on there. First, with MLS, was it a pretty easy sell to bring MLS Next Pro to Cleveland? You know, I, I think once we got to know um, the, the leadership there and, and got to know some of the other, you know, owners around, they, they, they I, again, similarly identify Cleveland as a, as a great market for professional soccer where it's already missing. You know, we like that league a lot, given that it, uh, the MLS is really the top soccer brand in the country. And, and you know, we want to make sure that, as I said, a third quarter of life that we're, we're doing this and, and that the league's going to stay strong. And, uh, and we want to be part of that. We're going to be thrilled to be have our games kind of broadcast globally on Apple TV as part of, of, of their 
uh, broadcast deal. And uh, but it's been a, it's been a great partnership there. And on the NWSL side, you feel like at this point it's a prerequisite to you know have some kind of solid stadium plan, either a facility that you're confident you'll be able to use that's you know you know an existing team's facility or something brand new. Uh, to get into that league because it's getting more and more competitive to to break into the NWSL. We do, and, and we don't think that there's an existing facility, let's call it in Northeast Ohio, that's up to snuff currently. Is the vision to have multiple teams kind of sharing resources, working together on some level um, in the Cleveland area? That, that That's definitely part of the vision potentially is to bring this kind of North Star of soccer together. Uh, it's... It, so it would be a very exciting uh, build for the, for this new facility and that we think it would be the very first public-private partnership in the country where women's professional sports are the primary user, the primary tenant, that it's built for the NWSL. And it clearly will be their home facility. But that doesn't mean that you can't have other playdates in there to be smart about using it as much as you can for a downtown area. And, uh, yes, I would see that the our MLS Next Pro team would be a secondary tenant you know, in that facility. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you mentioned public private, private partnership. Uh, will you be seeking public funds for the the stadium? Absolutely, and 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 uh, you know, happy to announce that uh, last week, actually, and maybe serendipitously, on National Girls and Women's in Sports Day, the state of Ohio, the House of Representatives passed a bill uh, with some capital budget allocation, and and had a line item in there with a significant allocation to Cleveland Professional Women's Soccer Stadium. So. That's a real nod, if you will, that that the state is behind this. Because again, you know, this would not just be Cleveland's team. This would really be the only professional sports team in the state of Ohio. And when you look at the market, um, you know, the, the other closest teams right now are Chicago, Louisville, and and DC. So you kind of draw a nice big three-hour circle around Cleveland, and you're touching not only Ohio, but uh, neighboring Indiana, Pennsylvania, Western New York, and. Uh, we know that the fans are out there, and we're hoping to deliver this for for not just Cleveland, but for the region. And so, and I'll admit I'm I'm not up on my Ohio State rep uh, or Ohio House of Representatives bills. Um, uh, what kind of funds are in that that appropriation? So, so in that particular appropriation, there's a million dollars allocated towards the the stadium. There's going to be a Senate version as well, um, but you know the state has been um, has made other you know, allocations to other soccer stadiums, whether in Columbus or Cincinnati. Um, and so we're, we're excited about this one. Yeah. And is that, are we thinking of that as a placeholder number, that 1 million? Yeah, obviously we, we think we can seek some more. The other projects have gotten more, but it's really a, a nod in the right direction. And it's also really critical, you know, when you're working with the public side, you talk about a public-private partnership, you're really talking about three legs of the stool on the public side, the state, the county, uh, the, the local or the city piece. And oftentimes, you know, um, the state's going to hang around and 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 make sure that um, everything's going swimmingly locally before they would really put their neck out there. But they felt that this is such an important play that you know women's sports in this state really have not been funded appropriately ever, and so this is really a, an opportunity to to change that. And um, but you know, thankfully, there our local leaders have also been very vocal in their support of, of, of exploring this and bringing women's professional soccer to Cleveland. And, uh, you know, they want to get big things done and, and we want to help them get there. And the Cleveland Browns are also looking for some money to uh, to build a, a new stadium. Do you worry that the appetite is going to run out for funding sports stadiums in the area? Uh, it, it's not something that, you know, it's a huge concern of ours. You know, what we're talking about here is, is a very... Um, um, <laughs> relatively speaking, modest investment 
comparatively speaking, across stadiums across the, the state that are either have been built or, or will be built. You know, we're kind of eyeing something that's similar to what's been done down in Louisville or down in Kansas City, uh, which is opening very soon to a lot of fanfare. So, um, you know, the price tag is not such that, that it can't be overcome. And the other piece here is that we really believe that the economic impact that we're going to drive through this, uh, through incremental taxes of a whole myriad of, 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 of sources can also help, you know, offset any, any public contribution mm-hmm. early on. And factored into all those calculations is the World Cup in 26 coming and, you know, Women's World Cup you know, likely coming in 27 or 31. Um, how much of that is baked into uh, your numbers and just your vision here? You, you sound like you're, you're giving a, a play for my playbook because I talk to investors and talk to the city. What you, what you just mentioned can't be understated. When the World Cup comes to North America in 2026, it'll be the largest sporting event the world has ever seen by a country mile. Not only are they going from 32 to 48 teams, but just that it's gotten so much bigger. You know, in 2022, the United Nations said there's 8 billion people in the world, and FIFA said that at some point, 5 billion people tuned in. And so, you know, we think it's just critical that we sow the seeds now to be have a seat at the table, to be in that global game. Um, as the world and, the, and this country is talking about soccer, we want Northeast Ohioans to be talking about soccer as well. So, it and that will underscore what we think is the, you know, largest rise in popularity in this sport that, that, that the country's ever seen. Soccer's it's already you know trending in many ways, and you have Messi effect and Apple TV and other great things. Our U.S. Women's National Team always you know stand out uh, globally. But these two events that we're going to host, as you say, in 26 and likely 27 or 31 are going to be huge. And the other one is in 28 with the Summer Games in Los Angeles, where women's professional or women's soccer is always a marquee Summer Olympic game. So, again, we've got to go now. We've got to get these plans together now and get kicked off so that we're, we're, we're there while the whole world's watching it. Yeah. And Nolan, do you see this being part of like a Cleveland ecosystem, a sports ecosystem, or are you just focused on making soccer a thing here? Oh, without a doubt, we wanted to be part of the, the ecosystem. Uh, as Michael alluded to previously, there's just overwhelming support for, for Cleveland's existing three major league teams. And there's also a vibrant, you know, sports community outside of just um, the, the the local big major professional teams. I mean, um, Cleveland has a, a minor league hockey team, the Monsters, and, and they draw, you know, anywhere between ten to 13,000 people uh, for every one of their competitions. Uh, we think... You know, Cleveland is, is a large enough market, a top 20 market, um, and they're really, really clamoring uh, for um, professional women's soccer at the highest level uh, to come to town. Uh, we recently did a, a back the bid initiative uh, where we, you know, made it very publicly known like that we want to show the league um, that there's tangible support uh, for Cleveland as the 16th market. And we got, you know, so many, so many thousands of people willing to um, you know, pledge their support, put their name on a list for se- uh, season tickets, you know, when we would be awarded a franchise. So uh, we know the community is behind this. Uh, we know that they love sports. And we think the time is now for a women's professional team in the, in the region. And just to finish this up here, uh, just w- w- what's next in terms of the timeline for bringing soccer to Cleveland here? You know, the timeline is being dictated really by the league as they run their process for expansion. Um, you know, they've come out publicly and said they expect to announce a 16th team this year. Uh, so, you know, I don't know the exact date, um, but we're, we're going to be you know, ready to be there with our, our bid and put our best foot forward and, and show the league that, 
you know, if you come to Cleveland, that we're going to, it's going to be a public private partnership for, you know, a, a purposely built team for the league. And, and we think that that's really exciting and, and hopefully a template for, for future expansion. We would be the 16th team in what is a national league. And, you know, it's a big country out there. There's already 30 teams in the MLS. So somewhere we expect to see more teams in the future. Um, we'd love to be, you know, part of this league's growth. Michael Murphy, Nolan Gallagher, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thanks, Owen. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Owen. That's it for today. Let us know what you thought about the NBA All-Star Weekend. You can hit us up at FOS Today on X or just find me at Owen Poindexter. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.